Hey everyone, welcome to Parallel Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Stickle, joined by my co-host, Tim Tribble. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Every week we come alongside you and your organization, and we believe that every organization has eight growth points. Not one, every organization has eight. That if you focus on these eight, your organization has no choice but to grow. Those eight growth points, again, are the leader must grow, that the leadership team must grow, your systems must grow, your finances must grow, your numbers must grow, your uh, expectations must grow, your facilities must grow, and your culture must grow. Speaking about culture, today's conversation is we're going to focus on growing your culture. Tim, why don't you introduce us to our guest? Yeah, absolutely. Our guest today is Larry Bry from Elevation Church. I've heard this guy speak many times, and if you are inviting him to your church to speak, just be ready to go through a bunch of mics because he's going to drop them all. It's so good. One of the founding members of Elevation Church. He is a Minnesota Vikings fan. That makes him more anointed. Just saying. Absolutely. Yes. And he's the ministry's development pastor at Elevation Church. Without any further ado, because you're going to want to get right into this, let's go to the interview with Larry Bryan. Well, hey, LB, welcome back to our podcast, man. It's so good to have you with us. So good to see you again, my friend. Oh, Pastor Kelly, it's always a joy. I I, I wanted to dress like you today. Uh, if I could look as good as you, uh, I, that, that's really what I'm trying to do is to be more like you today. Well, I'm I'm all about that. Like, like we're we're good, and I'm surprised that both of us aren't wearing purple uh, today because we're we uh, we are very much on the same wavelength when it comes to who's the best NFL team in. And so we're yeah, one of the reasons why the I so Holy Spirit in you. <laughs> Absolutely, let's go. So, man, let's. I'm I'm so excited for our conversation today um, because we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about. Uh, culture and but and one of the reasons why I'm excited about this is that the church has changed so much. I've talked to lots of pastors, lots of leaders. It's not just the church. I'm talking to business guys who are seeing high staff turnover, and and churches that are seeing high attendance turnover. They're seeing yeah, people you know more visitors come than ever before. Volunteers who have never been a part of it coming before. Some aren't coming back, but they got new people coming in. So one of the big silent changes that's happened to a lot of churches because of that and a lot of businesses is, is cultural drift. And we've seen throughout COVID, COVID is, is the great disruptor um, and it disrupted culture. So, um, so pre-COVID, many of us established strong cultures. We've talked about culture. That's a big thing. But because of disruptions, it's eroded a lot of culture. So, man, I want to dive into talking about culture and what we do and what you guys have done in particular to, to address that issue. So, man, how, how, do you, how do you identify cultural trends in your community that might be negatively impacting your church? And, and how do you combat that? Yeah, I, I think everybody's wrestling with this question right now because the, the expression of church is obviously changed. Um, and I don't know if culture has changed as much as culture has been revealed. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Because if you've got a small crack and the whole foundation starts to shake, that becomes a really big crack. Yep. So what was already there just became bigger. And so a lot of times when we look at, at, at our, at our churches, at our ministries, and we'll look at it and say, our culture has gone bad. I right. don't know. Maybe it's a seed that was there that now has become a full blown bush. And so yep. it, it, it got introduced in there somewhere. So if not, there's this tendency to like scorched earth, let's just burn it all down. And, 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 and I don't think that's where we need to be in the kingdom. And 
what we've got to do is we've got to learn where we've always taken our cues from for what the church is supposed to be in this world. Right. And we're looking at the culture that's saying, what does people want and what are they doing and how are they operating? And we need to ask those and we need to, we need to be aware of all that stuff. But foundationally, we've got to go back to the mission of the church. That's never changed. Yep. Expression might change, but the mission is always remained the same. And we're in a season that we have to believe that the church wins. And God is saying the church must go forward, but the expression has got to look different than what it did 36 months ago. Yes. I think some of the struggle that people are having that are going to watch this, this podcast, I'm so glad you're doing this, is because they're trying to recreate what used to be rather right. than rediscovering the new expression of who they need to be. Oh, that's so good. Say that again. That's so good. Um, I made it up in the moment. Okay. In the moment. But yeah, we, yeah, we don't want, we, we're, I think that's a really good point though, because we're so like, I think a lot of pastors leaders of this are going, we want to go back to what was, but, but that's not necessarily, that's not wise. Like we, we need to be focused on not past, but focused on what we're shaping for the future and who we're becoming. Absolutely. We need to rediscover who he's all, we've always been to reinvent who God wants us to be. So good. And we're in this season that a lot of the frustration that ministries are under is they're going back to an old scoreboard and old metrics and old systems. And what they're trying to create doesn't fit in that anymore. And they're frustrated with it. And the church has changed and people are fickle. And no, it's, it's God uses persecution to spread the seed and to grow the gospel. Yes. The book of Acts, Acts 1.8, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And, and God said that the gospel must go forward. But the disciples were content to keep it in the walls of, of Jerusalem. That's where yep. Acts 8.1, and a great persecution broke out to the church. And the mm -hmm. only way the gospel was spread was through the winds of persecution. And I don't want to compare what we're going through to what the, what the first century church did. But there is a scattering of seed that God is destroying the structure of what used to be so right. that it gets spread to new, new places. That's so good. One of the cultural trends that I, I've noticed in, in society and in our world and, and just North America, all around the world, is, is a, a, an ever-growing divisiveness. There's always been divisiveness, but there's been an ever-growing divide of this camp versus that camp and this camp, you know, versus that camp. And if we vote this way, then we can't associate with that one. And if we are pro vaccine or anti vaccine for pro mask, not like all this stuff, we, we divide into these camps. So that cultural trend as when people come in, we've got so many new people coming in that cultural trend tries to, to eke into our churches. So what are some of the best practices you've regularly used that to, protect the culture of the church and saying, no, this is, this is not the, this is not the, that's not what Jesus does. That's not the church of Christ. That's not what we do. So how do you, how do you practice? How do you, what's some of the best practices you regularly do to protect the culture of, of what the church is built on? Yeah, we, we're, we're living in a world that everybody's pre-offended. They're, they're offended so before they even talk to you. Um, and everybody's got a instant, permanent, and global outlet that is a 24-hour news cycle for them with their two thumbs to express all of their opinion in disagreement with the world. And there's never a repercussion for it. You can just live in this place of being offended and, and breathing it out and offended. And 
but but have, I mean, have you found have you found with that though too like like when people are asking you questions a first time guest or you get an email from from somebody you're not sure do you do you always do you feel like I do like that you're always being set up for something that someone's trying to identify based on your answer whether they're gonna like you or not like like yeah. totally well, I, I think there's there's definitely people in in places where that's happening but it's what Paul told Timothy he said have nothing to do with foolish or stupid arguments for you know they lead to nothing but quarrels so true. and so in our ministry one of our values is we want to be known for what we are for yes so what we're not going to do is we're not going to take a stance on something we're not going to speak against something we're not going to speak against other ministries and the bible will always sit on top of the newspaper yeah we will preach from the bible and not the headlines so when we bring the gospel every week it's got to come from this because we want to be known for what we are for. We're for the gospel. We're for lost people meeting Jesus. We're for expanding the kingdom. And so we're just going to try to really stay away from those places where, hey, you, I can't speak to that, but here's what I can speak to. We're for Jesus. We're for lost people right. meeting Jesus. Yes. So culture is always driven by uh, strong communication and reiterating, reiterating the behaviors and celebrating the wins and, and those kind of things. So how do you communicate you know, the culture that you envision to your team so that they buy in? Well, I, I think to me, culture, it, it's good for us to define what culture is. It's mm. really become like a garbage term that everything gets thrown into. It's like at the garage where you just kind of throw everything into it. But to me, when I would, I would give this simple definition, lang a culture is language, beliefs, and behaviors. Yeah. And I think those are three hallmarks of a strong culture. And the more unified we are, in the language, in the beliefs, in the behaviors, the more unified we are in the culture of our ministry. And so for ministries, for churches, I think what we have to do is to look back and you discover it by looking back. Churches discover it, who we've always been by yep. looking back. You don't declare it moving forward. A new church starts out says, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then actually you start doing church and you do it nothing like you thought you were going to do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And so, but when you look back and you, you, you understand the unique language of your house and of your pastor, you've got to now create rally points around that. You got to create teachings around, it. you got to create common threads that we're always circling back to language, beliefs, and behaviors. Right. So, and that's so good. And it's interesting. I love that definition because in many ways it's, it's progressive as well, right? I mean, you're, your beliefs shape your language, your language shapes your behaviors, and, and it just they come back and work with each other, which is so good. But so how how long does it take for the de desired behaviors? You know, I mean, it, it doesn't take long to shape a language. Uh, you, I mean, you can you come up with language and, and do all that, although you should probably invest some time in making sure that that language is going to stick. But how long does it take for a desired behavior, cultural behavior to be fully implemented? Yeah. Pastor Kelly, you, you have how many kids? I have six. Yes. You got six. I got four. I knew you had more than me. I couldn't, I didn't know if it was five or six. I've got four. And of course we know as parents, we can have a conversation with our kids and they get it the first time and they never struggle with it ever again. Do they? Absolutely. It's amazing. I don't know. You're, I mean, yeah. If, if other people aren't having that with their kids, they got to be doing it wrong. <laughs> so culture is not shaped by a conversation. No culture is shaped by consistency. So good. What we need to do as leaders is understand that we are parenting, we're shepherding the flock. 
And it is a relationship that is a product of time over consistency equals equals uh, being conformed into the image of God. So when we often think about like, hey, we need to we need to reshape our culture. Well, we're going to have a vision Sunday and we're going to talk about it on that Sunday. And yep. everybody's going to magically get it. No, they're not. Absolutely. It needs to be a part of every conversation. It needs to be a part of every meeting, every interaction, every thought process, every decision making. And if you don't get tired of repeating it, they haven't heard it enough. So good. Well, talking about that. So you, a lot of times we felt, again, talking about COVID and the great disruptor and, and all that COVID was, is that we pre-COVID, many of us drove culture and we and we did all these things and, and then we got tired of talking about it. And then and then we're looking at what's going on now and going, we like, we got to go back, but at the same time, we want to shape forward. So talk about that tension of, of like, we're, we're saying it more and more, but are we, is that going back and, and how do we shape it forward? And do we change that? Like, talk about that tension. I think you were right at the intersection of, of frustration for ministries. Yeah. Part of it is related to here's what we used to be and here's what we're not today. And that void is a frustration. But what we're at is we've got to sit down and say, hey, pre-COVID, who were we as a ministry? What were our unique um, language, beliefs, and behaviors? But when COVID happened, everybody hit pause on that. In my ministry at Elevation Church, where I'm a part of with Pastor Stephen and the team, uh, Sunday mornings exist for lost people to meet Jesus. Yep. It always has been, and it always will be. It's always about lost people coming to faith in Jesus. And how many people are going to come to faith in Jesus? Okay, COVID happens. Now the talking point is like, hey, we're going to bring church to you. You can stay at home, sit in your sit in your sweatpants, eat your breakfast, and we're going to minister to you. And now it becomes about comfort and convenience and not about calling. Right. We spend two years living in a world that we tell people we, we're going to make it easy for you to be connected. But now we're trying to flip it back. And now we're suddenly saying, hey, now come back again. You just told me two years. It's been about my comfort and convenience. And now it's about this other thing. And it's like right. two years and we took the engine out of the car and we're hitting the gas pedal today. And we wonder why it's not moving. So good. And in particular, have you found this too, that, that it's especially in the volunteers because people were very busy and, and as a parent of four kids and as, as and myself as a parent of six kids, you know, pre-COVID, we were crazy busy. And then we all we look at each other and we're like, do we want to go back to that? And including, and there's lots of people, because we've been preaching for two years, comfort and convenience and and lockdowns and, and isolation. And we're, you know, we're, we're more uh, inverted, you know, than we've ever been. Now we're saying, come back and volunteer. And and, <laughs> and not, not just come back, but come back and volunteer. So talk about, talk to us about that. And you guys got it all figured out, right? So it's all oh, good. Yeah, of course. No, we're we're struggling just as much as everybody else with this. Yeah. But I wonder how many people watching this podcast, if we'd be honest, pre-COVID, the only time volunteers really heard from you was it was on their week to serve, and it was a reminder: Hey, are you going to be there? Oh wow, yeah, good. I mean, yeah. If, if we're just really, really honest, if we look back and we look at the communication patterns of what we were communicating and when we were reaching out to people and we're honest, I bet a lot really fall into that pattern. Yeah. Now you go into COVID, every church is printing out lists of all other people. And now you're getting a phone call from a staff member who's like, Hey, I just want to see how you're doing. 
Yeah. I pray for you. What's happening in your life? Because we're trying to care for them and keep them connected. Yep. And now the volunteers over here going like, wow, I didn't even know what I was missing. Like, I didn't know that I needed this. Okay. Right. Now we go back to now and it's like, hey, the phone call is like, hey, are you going to be there on Sunday? Like, oh, now I know what I'm really missing because over the last two years, it's been about care. Earlier, it was just about, am I going to be there? Oh, and it feels like you're only calling me again to see if I'm going to be there to serve on Sunday. That is one of those. That's a great, great example. That's so good. Um, but that's one of those those not going back to what was. And if we slip back to some of the behaviors, which d- drives part of our culture, like so, if we slip back to that what was behavior, and we've gone through two years of different behaviors because we've had to, but now now we go back to the behaviors that we were. There's a disconnect. Totally. And now you put a staff member or a key leader volunteer in a ministry who is feeling like I can't get it all done. I've got too much to get done. We've had people leave. So now I got to get all this done. Now they're worshiping on the altar of efficiency. Right. So rather than calling 40 volunteers, they just hit send with one email. So now I'm mass communicating to 40 rather than being personal with one. Oof. So, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So the behavior What's driving the behavior of that? It's this place of like, I can't get it all done. So I got to become efficient. And we've lost the very thing that started us in ministry is to see one person, to make them feel seen and known and like they matter. And God sees you and you matter to God. But because I get caught up in this rat race of systems and structures, I lost the spirit of our house. Mm. Man, that's so so good. So talk to us about some of the the adjustments that you've made or the behaviors that you've made, you know, in that tension yeah. in regards to, yeah. There, there's a couple things. Um, one is, is at a very, very practical level is when is the last time you rewrote your job description? Hmm. And we went through COVID. Everybody's job description changed, but they, nobody had clarity about what they were supposed to do. Right. So we didn't have certainty about how this whole thing is going to work out. So everybody's just doing kind of what's ever needed, but you've lived in this extended season of exhaustion where you're not even sure how to win. I didn't even know what, how to score. I didn't even know what sport I'm playing, let alone how to put points on the board. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So you take people who want to make a contribution that walk away day after day, feel like, I don't know if I made a difference. Right. And they have no clarity about what their job is. So practically, Every leader needs to sit with their team and rewrite their job description practically. What am I asked to do? How do I do it? And now you as my leader, help me manage the flow. So I give my biggest energy to your biggest priority. So good. We've got to bring clarity to the people we lead. Otherwise, I had had a leader ask me a couple of weeks ago, what are you doing with, with volunteers and people who are MIA? And I said to them, well, maybe they're missing an anxiety. Hmm. Maybe they've disconnected because they're so overwhelmed. They don't feel like they're winning anywhere. So I'm just going to withdraw. But if we go back to old patterns and old structures and old systems, we will not produce the old result. So true. So, man, I love what you just, yeah, I love what you just pointed out there about, you know, going back and bringing as leaders, bringing clarity to our teams again, not assuming that they're clear because, well, that's what you've always done, but redefining and, and doing that. That is so good. 
and again, it's it's reshaping some behaviors, and those behaviors, we can't pull out the the job description from two years ago and go, well, do that, because because it's a it's a different world we live in in now than it was previously. Well, even even practically, this example. So, if you've got somebody on your team that's responsible for um, the volunteer force, in the past, how would you only measure winning? Well, how many volunteers do you have? How many jobs or how many positions are unfilled okay that has got to be a portion of it but how do you actually measure pastor kelly care yeah how do you so it can't be just connect with your volunteers there's got to be an exchange of the spiritual level and an emotional level that makes people feel seen and known how do we make sure they're doing that when you bring up another another great point and i want to i want to drill down in this one because a lot of the measurements that we had, we had to discard that throughout COVID because the the pre-COVID measurements, and then we got, you know, we weren't sure what to measure and all the measurements have changed. So if we go back to just the previous measurements, um, we'll get depressed. I want one thing, <laughs> but we can't, we can't go back because it's a different church. So, so the measurements, we have to look at, at the measurements as leaders too, and going, what are we measuring? And, and you know, how do we do that? So talk to us about some of that. Like, what have, what have you learned and what are some of the ways that you're reevaluating your measurements? Oh, so how many pastors and churches and ministries do you talk to that when they reference where they're at, were blank percent pre-COVID? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty much every conversation. Yeah. And uh, Can we just strike that from our language? Yes. How exhausting is it to say we're going to try to build back to something that might we never might achieve again? Right. So we've got to strike that mindset of, hey, we're 40% pre-COVID or we're 30%. Wrong metric. We just got to abolish that. Let's just have a moment of silence and bury that thing. Yeah. Because that is leading to more frustration for leaders than just about anything. So we're not rebuilding to what was. We've got to redesign for what needs to be. Right. So practically, I can't use the previous metric. So what matters to your ministry in this point? So what we want to measure is like, how many people are actually engaged in our ministry? So good. So how many people are giving? How many people are serving? And then um, then how many people do we have in a small group? I can measure those three things. Yeah. So, but if I only go back to weekend attendance is the Shekinah, that's the, the mountain that everybody wants to get to. I don't know if we'll ever get back to those numbers. I don't know if we're supposed to. But if I keep living with that frame of reference as a leader, I will never feel like I've arrived. Right. So, so good. How many, how many bad metrics and perceptions need to be broken for me to actually receive a blessing? Yeah. So, so those are those, those three are those what you, those are the driving forces for your, your metrics of care. Yeah, I can't, cause I can't necessarily measure whether or not, Okay, I got Pastor Kelly. He's on my list. I can't yeah. measure how good you did care with him. I right. can't because it's a subjective thing. But the objective result from it is somebody who feels connected and is contributing. Yes. So the byproduct of care is what you can measure. Yes. So what should be the byproduct of care? Is it simply attendance? If it is, I, I with everything we're facing societally and and economically and socially, I don't. I don't think that's the healthiest place to be right now. 
And it's so true because because attendance is not really uh, a true representation of who's connected or or contributing to the to the church. Like we found, I'm sure you found the same thing that we had people that have been connected the entire time through online small groups and and different community communities on their own, and they were watching online services every single week. It's still very much connected, just weren't in the seat on Sunday morning. And then you, and we, and if we only counted that as the measurement, we miss a whole section of people that are connecting with our church and getting discipled, but we're not, we're not seeing that. Very much so. And that's where we had to redefine some of those things. And that's hard because nobody was ag- as aggressive towards growing uh, the attendance than it within our ministry, because we believe lost people are going to come to faith every weekend. Yeah. It's hard for us to walk through that season of like, whoa, like that's that's not the metric anymore. But now what's even harder right now is as we're re-engaging, how do we not go back to old patterns? Yes. If we just let the last two years just be, we just unpause the pause button and we just continue the movie like before, what did we learn in the last two years? Yeah. So, so true. And that's what I want to drill down on is that idea, because it's, that's just, that's the realization for us as, as leaders. But when we're talking about culture and saying, okay, we have to define culture and then some of our behaviors now differently than we did pre COVID that's, we can talk about that. And I think what we're finding is that as leaders and as pastors, we're having these conversations all the time. We're valuing these things with each other. And we've come to that realization that things have changed. But now we've got volunteers and leaders that are coming back or, or participating again, but their expectation now is that it's just like it was before or it's similar way. And so their behaviors are now, and, and how do we stop that drift from that? But those behaviors were for some of our teams now. How do we communicate that? How do we drive the culture now so that they see that, no, things are different now. We're measuring things. This is important now. This is not as important before. We're doing things differently. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's the rubber meeting the road, but it's got to reduce it down to a couple of questions I'm going to ask is one is who does Sunday morning ex- exist for? Yeah. So when you think in terms of the, of the realm of the ministry, for a lot of us over the last two years, it was like, hey, we want to be comfort and convenience and we want to make it easy for you to be a part of the ministry. Previous to that, it was like, bring lost people, bring lost people, bring lost people. Yeah. So now we say, hey, we want you to come back to church. Is it about you being comfort and convenience or am I saying, no, I need you to be a missionary now and bring someone back to, to church with you? So a really good question for ministries to wrestle with is who does Sunday mornings exist for? Second question, how do we know who are ours? Right. How, how do we actually keep track of the people that God has entrusted to our care? Right. We created online streams all over the place. Are we still giving energy to that and attention to that? Or is that like going to dry up now because the physical buildings are starting to open back up again? Yeah. And so was that just a temporary lifeline or is that a consistent stream we need to be keep feeding into? But but that central question, who does Sunday exist for? It drives so much of it. So as you're re-engaging and you're going to be volunteering, how am I helping you answer that question? Because I need to care for you and I need you to care for the lost people walking in here. Both need to happen at the same time. I think previous to COVID, we were so one-sided, it's all about lost people meeting Jesus, that we weren't creating space for this other one. So the new expression for us is both have to exist. Yes. So good. I, I, I throughout COVID and all the rest of it, and lamenting like most pastors were on on trying to navigate as a pastor's leader, what are we doing and how are we doing it? 
And one of the things in, in my prayer time, I was like, I was crying out to God about all that was going on. And I, I said, I was like, and, and about who's coming back and not coming back and, and where are they and what, what did we do and, and all the rest of it. And I felt God really strongly say to me, it's not about the bums in the seat. It's about those you activate in the community. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, that's right. And, and pre COVID I would have said before, like, no, we're equipping the saints to do work in the ministry. We're doing that. But pre COVID, you're absolutely right. We're pretty much all of my energy, all of our energy as pastors and leaders was in, in soul winning and, and doing that on the Sunday morning and all about what we could, you know, gathering them in that place on the Sunday morning. What COVID has revealed is like, no, wait, we can't do, just like you said, we can't be one-sided where we're only doing one thing. We need to activate at the other thing. We're not going to stop winning souls on a Sunday morning, but at the same time, we need to be activating. And, and I think in my perspective, and I love how you brought that out, but in my perspective, I think the church is stronger now than it's ever been. Like we're, we're, we're more poised now and stronger now than we've ever been. And I'm, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about what the next five years of Christianity in, in the West is going to look like, because I think the church is in a position now of strength that we didn't have pre COVID. Would you agree? I 100% agree. I think this is one of the best things that could have happened to the kingdom. There were horrible things that, that happened in it. I'm not saying what happened was good. I'm saying what it can produce can be really, really good. Yeah. And I'm not saying COVID was a good thing. I am saying God will bring good from it. And yes. I'm excited about how the kingdom has the opportunity because people, people have lived in a world of being quarantined, being uh, isolated, being alone. I, you, you can buy a car. You can get your oil changed. You can get groceries delivered and never have to talk to a person. Yeah, we have got the opportunity right now to make the gospel personal in a way like never before. So true. If somebody clicks onto your link. You have the ability and the opportunity to have connection into their life like never before. You've got the ability if somebody walks into one of your buildings, make them feel seen and known and like they matter like never before. What Absolutely. an opportunity the kingdom has been given right now. Absolutely. I, I think another thing too that I've been I'm watching is is people have looked to multiple sources of hope in, in the past. And and all of those in the last couple of years have given out. And I love what uh, Hebrews 6 19 says in especially in the Amplified Bible, it says that this anchor is a hope. Like it and it says, you know, the, the anchor is a is a hope, but it says this is an anchor that will not give out no matter the pressure put on it. I love that. That's Amplified says that. But the, the people have looked to healthcare systems for hope that gave out. They've looked to governments for hope or, you know, politicians for hope and that gave out. And now I think the church is poised in a, such a way that we're offering community, like you said, but we're also offering the hope that will not give out. And, and people are hungrier than ever and saying, okay, this failed me. This failed me. I can't trust this anymore. I can't trust that anymore. Who do I trust? Where can I trust? Well, what's one thing that that is an anchor that will not give out? And we have the message, and we got to get that out. We do. And to go back to what you said a little bit earlier, when we choose to let a political platform or a social media talking point or a cultural uh, lightning rod become the conversation, we miss the gospel. So true. And how do we not get caught up in useless arguments, and we actually minister to people, and we minister the gospel— 
but we don't get caught called into that trap of of wrestling with a pig and it's just we, we lose so much ground when we do that and so we get this opportunity but we got to do it in a way that makes people feel seen and known and loved and i just i love that the opportunity we have in front of us that's so good I, and i want to i want to reiterate what you said earlier that the church needs to be known what it stands for not what it stands against and and i think we go way into dangerous territory and error when we when we focus on what we're standing against uh and and not focusing on what we stand for man i've loved this conversation so much uh if you were to speak i mean you're you're speaking to pastors leaders um some discouraged some are feeling the same encouragement that we're feeling what is a message that you have for pastors, leaders that you're talking to right now in this season? What what would you say? Man, God has called you to your city. Um, God has called you to that place to to redeem, to speak the gospel, to to share it in a way that people would find hope and healing in the presence of Jesus. Um, and you got to go back to that moment. One of the one of the things that will cause you to lose your motivation is to forfeit your memory. Mm. And you got to go back and say, now, why did I get into this, God? Why did you put me here? Why did you bring me to this city? Because the devil is going to steal your motivation when you lose your memory. So you got to go back to when you felt the call. God, you called me to this thing. You, you put me here. You gave me a hope and an assurance. And go back to that. And when you start to doubt in the future and you don't see it in front of you and what's lining up with uh, what God put in your heart isn't lining up with what you see around you. You've got to go back to those moments and say, God, I, I'm believing for this and that faith, that being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Because when pastors walk away, it's the people that are following them that suffer. Yeah. And I don't think people are walking away because they don't care. Yeah. I think people are walking away because they don't know how to carry. They so don't good. know how to carry the burden. They don't know how to carry the struggle. And so rather than fight any longer, I just put my weapons down. So if you're tempted to put your weapons down today, know that you've got pastors praying for you. Man, but don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep staying in it because God called you to that place. And as you take that space, it creates a space for other people to walk into the presence of Jesus. Your communities Man, are redeemed so because good. of your faithfulness. Generational sin is being cut off in communities that are just being affected by all of the stuff that we turn on the news and we see, but the gospel, it's in you and it's, it's in that community. So good. And, and so much of what you said right there, I, I, I don't know that, um, I, I want to just park there for a second because I don't know that you, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause you said some words there, key words there that are specific to what I feel God is saying has said to me, there's some key words you said there, redeem, and and focus on your city and and that's the one thing that i've been preaching and anchoring back on and going the call of the church and we've got this idea i think in in our western church where you know in the western world where we're, we're going to be a ministry that's going to affect the world and we're going to do this and we're all focused way beyond and the bottom line is we're called to redeem cities and i love it uh you know um isaiah said it so well in isaiah 58 and, and Isaiah 58, I've gone back to um, multiple times because what are you doing? Because it all talks about our worship and what we did previously and our practices and all the rest. And he goes, no, no, like that's good. And fasting, you fast that way because you're doing that. That's all good. But what really counts 
is feeding the hungry. And, and, and then he says in verse, uh, I believe it's verse 12 of Isaiah 58, he says, and if you do these things, you'll be known as the rebuilder of the walls, the rebuilder of your cities, and the restorer of homes. And I was like, I was like, that's what I want to be. That's what the church needs to be known for. And if we focus, imagine, just imagine LB, if we focused, each church focused on redeeming its city. Transform the world. Like, and I love what you're saying. So It's beautiful. And, but here's the part about scarcity. Everybody's living in a season where scarcity, people walk away, resource might dry up. But this, the lie of scarcity, it says, I don't have enough, but ultimately it says, I'm not enough. Right. And there are some pastors and staff and volunteers that are living in a space of scarcity. Scarcity has told you that you don't have enough and you're not enough. So as people walk away from your ministry, you're like, oh, my gosh, we can't make it. So maybe they would do well to print out a map of their city. Yeah. And and they actually put a number like how many people are in this city, whether that's 600 or 60,000. That's the territory God has given you. Yes. And if five people leave, there's still 55,000 waiting to be reached. And who's going to be the voice of the person who's not there yet? Pastor, yep. please hear the voice of the person who's not in your church yet. So the person that gets mad, the person that gets disgruntled, the person that leaves, those voices are readily available to you. But can you hear the voice of the 14-year-old who's in your community that needs Jesus? Can you hear the voice of the young family that just had a miscarriage and they don't know what to do? Can you hear their voice? Let that voice override those other voices. So well said. I love that. And I, I think it's encouraging for everybody because I think we, we try, it, uh, the comparison trap is deadly for pastors. We try to compare ourselves to, to uh, you know, any number of, of churches, pastors and their reach and all the rest of it. But one thing that, I mean, even your pastor is as one of the most gifted communicators on the planet, no doubt about it, but we're all not called to be Pastor Stephen and we're not all called to be Elevation Church, but we are called to our cities. And we are called to that 14 year old in our community who needs us. And we, we can reach them when, you know, not everyone else can. And so I, 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 I love that message. That's great. So but behind me, this is my scoreboard right here. Yeah. So in that is, is uh, baptism photos of two of my kids, my sister, one, uh, and then my niece. But awesome. there's two empty spots down here that are two kids that yet to make a decision for Jesus and yet to be baptized. And I'm excited that we get to reach a global community. Yeah. But that's 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 my that's my scoreboard. I love that. And at the end of the day, I can be failing everywhere else, but this right here, this is what matters most. And if this is healthy, God will take care of everything else. So so good. Well, man, thank you so much again for uh, for being with us. And is there a book that you've read recently that that's really rocked your world, or or a resource that that that's really rocked your world that you'd recommend to our listeners? The book I keep coming back to is a book by Henry Cloud called Integrity. Yeah. And I just read through that again my ninth time recently. Mm. Um, and it's this idea that integrity isn't necessarily what you do when nobody's looking. It's a message of wholeness. How do I live a whole life? How, how, do, how do I uh, minister from that place? So it's not necessarily a theological book but it is rich in practice on how do you want to live your life. I love it. 
And we'll we'll include a link in uh, our notes as well to that book. That is a that's a great book. Dr. Henry Cloud is amazing uh, author, writer, um, counselor. Yeah, just a great guy. So thank you so much, LB, for uh, your time again today, man. So appreciate you and your ministry. And man, we bless you in this season. We're excited to to connect again. It's great. Love you, my friend. Thank you for what you do. Um, you're creating a resource for pastors that this is a lifeline to them and somebody's going to hear what you're doing. And it's a thing they keep clicking back on because it's one of the only spaces where they get encouragement, they get hope. And so thank you for fighting the good fight and doing what you do to advance the gospel, my friend. All right. Bless you. Thank you again, man. Thanks for that. And man, we'll talk to you again soon. Wow. I'm always inspired whenever I talk with LB. He's such an amazing leader, drops one-liners, like you can't take notes fast enough. So I'd encourage each of you to go back and again, listen to this conversation, take notes, uh, pause it when you need to, write down what, you know, some of his one-liners. And man, I love the fact that he just touched on Redeemer of Cities. Yeah. And because that has become uh, a verse I cannot shake, Isaiah 58, 12, it's become my life verse where, you know, it, Isaiah prophesies, you'll be Redeemer of, of cities, restore of homes. And I think that I just got so excited because God's saying the same thing yep. everywhere. It's so good. What stood out to you? I love what he said that culture is not shaped by conversation, it's shaped by consistency. So my apologies to all you pastors and leaders that did that culture talk two years ago and thought it sunk in. It did not. You got to bring it to your team meetings, your rallies, your Monday night staff meetings, whatever it may be. Consistently let culture be the language of your house. Yeah, one of the one-liners that stood out to me uh, in a big way was culture hasn't changed as much as it's been revealed. Mm. Man, that, that hit me. I was like, that's so good. And so our takeaway from this and one thing that you want, an action plan that you might want to go back to your teams with is ask the question, are you investigating your culture? Mm. And re remember that culture happens by design or it happens by default. So we want to be on the design end of that thing. And what are we doing to intentionally design our culture? Talk with your team about it. And again, what has COVID revealed and of our culture and what do we need to design or redesign in this time? Yeah, that's so good, Kelly. I think you said even one time, inspect what you expect. So if you expect a strong culture, constantly be inspecting it. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Parallel Leaders Podcast. Make sure to grab the application guide for this episode on our website, www.parallelleaders.com, which includes a summary of our conversation and questions for group discussion. Yeah, we hope you feel inspired by these conversations and better equipped to move forward as a leader and with your teams. At the end of the month, we're going to continue the conversation about culture as we interview one of our listeners. I love these conversations and you will too. Not going to want to miss that. And next month, I get to explore growing your leadership with my friend, Pastor Tim Lucas of Liquid Church in New Jersey. And this guy is so much fun, so inspiring, such a great leader. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. I don't know. It does. I've seen a hundred pictures of this guy through my newsfeed and I, I could be in the worst mood possible and he's smiling in the picture. And I'm like, you know, that's going to be okay. He is always smiling, always laughing, always, so much energy. Always. He's so much fun. You're, <laughs> you're going to love it. Well, that's it for today, guys. Don't forget to rate and review us if you found this content helpful and subscribe wherever you consume this content and to never miss an episode release. And we will see you next time.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.